When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is episode 188, How to Learn Web Development Skills. Now, this applies to all types of developers, senior developers, junior developers, people that are just hobbyists, whatever. This applies to everything, kind of, too. You're always supposed to be constantly learning, getting better at stuff, constantly seeing new things. New things come out, and you got to learn about them. Even if you don't want to get better, like you're already a master of your craft, let's say. You're still learning new things as new new technologies get released. So we hope that this episode helps with that. And if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon. Leave a review or rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server. Or share this with your friends. And the very first thing I want to tackle here right away is actually not, you know, to learn things, go to YouTube. I don't want to talk. I don't want to tackle that. I don't want to talk about that. I'm not. This isn't a top 10 list. I want to talk about really the, let's say the... The, ind- the state of the industry in terms of learning right now. And if you're just a beginner, you're just a hobbyist, or you're just trying to see if this is right for you, you're probably going to gonna see a lot of noise out there. And so I have a sort of introductory part here that I really want to touch on the noise that is in this industry. And, and this does apply to all types of developers as well. And it's it's all over the place, but let, let let me just dive into the the to the the meat and gravy, I guess, of of this, so you understand what I'm talking about. So when you start learning web development, like I said, there's an incredible amount of noise that you have to contend with, and this noise pulls you in all kinds of different directions. So if I were to sort of be kind of ranty right now, I would say things like learn React. Well, no, React is old. Use something like Viewers Felt. No, you know, no, no, Svelte's only good for simple websites and web apps. But Svelte is the only good framework that you need. Use GitHub, but don't use Git interfaces. Only use the command line. But if you know the Git command line, you can probably just use the UI because the UI is easier. But don't forget to learn HTML, CSS, and JS, the vanilla, the vanilla stuff. But, you know, the vanilla stuff's useless. Don't learn it. Use a framework. jQuery is easier to write than JS, but jQuery is dead. And don't use WordPress, but you can make a lot of money on WordPress. If you, if you're trying to learn a new skill or you're just trying to get into the industry, there's tons of examples like this where you're going to get pushed and pulled and moved around. And it comes from all kinds of sources. This isn't just Twitter. This isn't just social media. This isn't just influencers, right? This noise comes from all over the place. Written pieces, social media, videos, podcasts, including ours, other web dev professionals, especially ones that are opinionated and like, just use React. What are you doing? That type of stuff. And probably more sources that you probably know, TikTok, whatever. A whole bunch of different sources that are trying to pull you in different directions. And this applies not just to web development, realistically. If you're trying to learn any skill, especially skills that people are passionate about, people are going to be very opinionated. They're going to they're gonna want to teach you their way, and this other person is going to want to teach you their way, and, and stuff like that. Everyone and everything has an opinion on what you should be learning, how you should be building things, how you should be learning things. And the best way 
to get something done, even though it's the same task and there's a hundred different solutions, they're like, no, 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 this is the way. And then you go talk to someone else and like, no, 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 this is the way. And to continue this noise, once you've finally selected a skill to learn, there's even more noise on how to learn it. There'll be people arguing or, you know, pushing in your face, you know, do project-based learning. Don't do that. Go to traditional school, you know, get that degree, get that diploma, whatever, get that certificate. No, no, no. Go on online school. You know, traditional school is old now. Go on, go to the online uh, courses. You know, go to Udemy. Go do that type of stuff. Oh, don't don't pay for Udemy courses. Don't do that. Go and go and buy you. Go and you know, buy, don't buy anything. Maybe YouTube Premium and watch YouTube videos and you or do it for free with the ads. Or you know what? No, no. You know, skip all that. You know, you want the traditional school, but you don't want to wait. Do the boot camps. What are you doing? Or hey, you know, all the answers are in the in the documentation. Just read the documentation. This is a ton of noise. A ton of different directions to be pulled in. And would immediately turn me off because if you th- really think about, or at least when I think about my base of knowledge, it was very scripted. I went to school, elementary school, went to high school, and then I went to college. And then college gave me a position in a in a, a company, like a co-op. And it was very like, do this, do this, do this, do this. And I didn't really select many of my classes. Realistically, a lot of them were very scripted. Or at the very least, my path would force me to choose certain courses like, oh, this school needs chemistry. I have to take chemistry in high school now. That type of stuff. So it's very, very much scripted with very little variance. But when you're out here trying to self or trying to like, not even self-teach, like that's one option, but trying to learn something. And there's this many options and there's this many ways to do something. And there's this many opinionated people and institutions and places and ways to do it. It's a lot of noise. So that's kind of, what I would say is the state of the industry right now, especially if you're just getting started, there's no, say, teacher that's there telling you what to do necessarily, unless you go the traditional school route, right? So I kind of laid out some basic points here, and these are at a high level because I don't want to get into every single one or we could have a podcast episode on each one, but some ways and some methods that I would use, again, at a high level, at a basic level of, ex- of, of explaining it, to get past this noise. And that is, oh, Mike, if you wanted to add a point, go ahead. Yeah, let me just jump in here right before you do that. But like, I think a big reason that I was hesitant about starting the podcast was because of this uh, this exact problem is that like, if you go anywhere in the development space, Twitter or uh, YouTube or anything, there's just way too much. Like there's way too much content for a, a normal person to sift through and decide on what to learn. And that was a hesitation I had, but also a motivation that we had where we're like, we're going to be the ones that kind of help you sift through that content and make sure that you're at least getting aware of certain technologies, but you don't have to dive in on your own because we know the reality of the, of the situation is if you're a, you know, a, a senior developer or intermediate developer li- listening to this, you're focused on certain technologies that are useful for you right now. And you don't have the time to go in and look for, you know, a million different things out there and learn it from ground to finish. But it is kind of important when you're in that position to at least stay aware of everything. And that's why when we talk about things, we talk about them at a high level to make sure that the junior developer gets it, but also that the anyone, anyone else in the development spectrum can take something away from it, at least as a tidbit being like maybe, you know, six months down the line when they're in a meeting deciding on a technology, they can come back to the, to whatever we talked about and maybe try something out. So, 
it is kind of a, a positive and a negative to have such a wealth of information available to you in in the lear- like learning development space. But it is a 100% a double-edged sword. Like, holy crap, Matt was listing all those different things and they're all true. Like jQuery is easier to write than JS and jQuery is dead is a true statement. Like both those things are true at this point, right? And, 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 and both can be argued as well. Like they're both true and not true because you can say jQuery is easier to write, but JS is actually simpler because it doesn't rely on a third party plugin or, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's ways you can argue both and jQuery being dead is true in the sense that new people aren't driven towards jQuery, but it's still being used in most of the web. So maybe it's not anyway. It's just this crazy <laughs> paradigm that you have to sift through and we're doing it as well. Like honestly, like this, this stuff overwhelms me a lot of the time too. It's not like, even though that we're in the space, even though that we're like, we're literally part of the problem almost, it still overwhelms me when I go in and start looking for a topic to do, or when I go in and start trying to figure out what, what's next to learn, like, what am I going to learn? There's a million different things. So I think again, just to bring my own, like, opinion and my own experience this is a very important point to talk about and if you know when you're you're reading all that out i just a big old noise example came into my head not even from this this space and 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 what it is is actually once again car repair something goes wrong in my car i'll google it or used to and i'd find all these car repair forums and you know these people know what they're doing in general or at least as far as i know they do and you would get a million and one different solutions for something. My lights aren't turning on. Well, it's the relay. It's this. It's that. It's, you know, it's this belt. That's not good. The alternate, like, you'd get a million and one solutions. And, and at the end of the day, you would maybe start zeroing in on one where it was like, oh, maybe the alternator is all screwed up. And you get, you know, kind of invested in, okay, how much is this going to cost me? You know, now I'm get, starting to get worried. This is rather expensive. And then you go to the mechanic that he's like, oh, the fuse blue. Like, you just... Just change a fuse, like, you know, 20 cents, 20 cents or whatever. And this has happened to me so many times that I've just stopped Googling problems with cars because there's just so much noise. Not to say all the noise is wrong. Like Mike said, some of that noise is correct. You know, jQuery is easier to write, arguably, but then jQuery is, it, you know, is it dead? You know, there's an argument there. So there's a lot of like opinions and a lot of stuff. And a lot of the things are sight unseen as well. When someone is telling you, hey, traditional school is the best road for you. They might not know the traditional schools that you have access to. Maybe a boot camp is, is right for you. They don't know your unique situation. And so, you know, it's all this noise just yelling and yelling and yelling. But a lot of it is not, say, say tailored advice. And there's noise within the tailored advice, because if you have a very opinionated web dev friend, they're going to say stuff like, oh, don't use that type of computer, like just down to that. Right. Not even talking about web dev stuff. It's like, Oh, you're going to work on a computer where you have to get a Mac, you know, don't use Windows or you have to use Windows, don't get a Mac. It's just it's a lot of noise and nonsense. And there's always noise in everything, even in a traditional classroom. But it's important to sort of cut through it. And I think there's different ways to do that. So I'll transition into this part now again. So if you want to be a freelancer, so if your goal at the end of the day is to be a freelancer, I think this is, again, my personal opinion, I think you should think in terms of the customer. Does the customer generally care about their website and web app functioning the way they want? Or do they care about whether or not you used WordPress? Generally speaking, the customer cares more or completely about their UX and the functionality it can do and how the customer's experience, their customer's experience is, say, on an e-commerce shop. They do not care about the details that do not affect their goal in general. 
So you might be told by a thousand people to not use WordPress and then also be told by a thousand people to use WordPress. If WordPress works and it it's getting the job done and it's getting, a jo- getting it done right, that customer with you as a freelancer probably doesn't care. As long as it does what they want, they're using that as a tool for their business and that's it. Next one, if you want to be an employee, so you want to work, say, in an office environment or remote, whatever, I would say, again, my opinion, but I would say start looking at job postings that you'd be interested in. Are most of these job postings listing React and Tailwind CSS? Then learn those. And as you start learning stuff, continue to check job postings, job postings of of jobs that you would actually want to do and keep up to date with what they're talking about. If you start seeing Tailwind CSS slip and something else come in, or you start seeing React slip and something else come in, maybe you can go, okay, you know, I'll finish learning React, but then I'll go to the next thing they're mentioning, Svelte or Vue or whatever. Keep up to date with that type of stuff. Now, this one's a little more abstract, but if you're learning just for you, so say you want to build out a project, you you have, you have don't you don't care about actually being a web developer, but you have a vision for a project, this website, this web app, you're building this project out for yourself. Do some research, you know, and and just just do it. Re- research how other people made similar projects, uh, how other people you know, dealt with certain problems that you can see happening in, in whatever field you're going into and try to work toward getting those skills or using those tools or using those solutions or, or whatever it takes. Sometimes you might find out that it's a no-code tool. And that's great. Sometimes you might determine that it's not an OCO tool. You're going to have to learn a little bit of PHP. Well, then work toward those skills, that type of thing. Now, because this is an app more abstract topic, there's sort of a subtopic I have here, which is maybe you just want to learn a new skill with no specific goal. Then I would say just read about some different options. You don't have to worry about what Twitter's telling you, what W3Schools is telling you, what that guy's telling you, what your friend's telling you. You know, who cares? Go and just Go read some topics. You know, are you interested in Webflow? Are you interested in Tailwind? Are you interested in SaaS? Are you interested in in Typo? Are you interested in what are you interested in? And then without factoring in someone else's opinion, you're doing this specifically just for you. You just want to skill up in something. And then go learn about that. And then you yourself will become opinionated on it. Maybe you use Webflow and you're like, man, I hate this. I really want to have like similar control, but I want to have more control. Like I'm, I, I want to be more of a control freak on this project then maybe you want to use WordPress. But you would not have generated that opinion should you have necessarily listened to someone else. You may have been super interested in WordPress or in Webflow, but someone else convinced you to use WordPress and then you're always thinking, what if on the Webflow front? Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you're using WordPress and you hate it you know, and you really want to use Webflow. Who knows? So there's another part of this too as well. So I, I talked about the learning types. That That's another type of noise. And cutting through the noise that on how you should be learning, so whether you should go to a boot camp or self-taught or this and that, is largely dependent on determining your unique situation. And that actually does transition, unless Mike has a comment here, but that actually transitions nicely on our discussion on learning the skills themselves. So I do I do have a comment. Um, I think one thing that we get stuck in is making a mistake in what we're learning. And I think that's something that we have to battle and be okay with. It's perfectly okay to learn the wrong thing. And you have to accept that because it's going to happen. And when I say the wrong thing, I mean the the most, the, the thing that's 
maybe not as efficient or maybe the thing that's maybe not the perfect tool for the job. You know what I mean? Like it's not, I'm not saying it's the wrong thing in terms of it won't complete the task because most of what you're going to learn, if you follow Matt's methods, you're going to find the right technology to learn. But sometimes maybe that technology is a little old. Sometimes maybe it's a little new. Sometimes maybe, you know, like there's many different factors in a piece of technology. And if you get down into the weeds of it and try to pick the exact best stack to learn or the exact best library to learn or whatever, you're never going to learn because you're always going to like get like an inch of the way through. Someone's going to mention something else about it and you're going to go on to a completely different technology and you're never going to go deep into anything and you're going to stay as like, you're going to stay as a developer that doesn't know anything vertically. It's just going to be a very horizontal path plane for you where you, what you want to do is you want to find something that fits your goal, whether it's a freelancing employee, whatever, and go into it, learn it. I, it depends on what it is, how long it's going to take you, but learn it, be comfortable with it. Because even if it's something that's maybe you're going to have to, you know, jump into another technology, let's, let's use view and react, for example. If you went into view, right, you decide to go into view, but then you find out that all the jobs are in react, but you've already gotten really far into view and you understand the core concepts of it. Trust me on this. Going into react is going to be 10 times easier at this point. So it's not like you've made a mistake and irreparable mistake. You've made it to the point where you understand a language, you understand a framework and that knowledge is transferable. So don't be afraid to make the mistake of learning something. Try to actually commit to it. Try to learn it. Try to go as deep as you can realistically to solve the problem or to get the job that you need. And be okay that with the fact that it might not be the most efficient or the most the best way to go about it. Absolutely. There's, there, there's, there's, very, little, there's very little way to tell what direction you should be going in. If you have no opinion or knowledge on a topic, you can jump into if you want to jump into web development with absolutely no programming experience. You're not techie. You don't really have an opinion that way. You know, you're going to hear all this noise and you are gonna get pulled, you know, this and that the other way. And if you're not scared away and you stick with it, you're not really going to know whether you going into PHP is correct. You're not probably even going to know the PHP is back end. Maybe you're probably just going to jump right in. But once you start getting into those different fields and into those different side, uh, say, side sections of web development, little specific topics, I guess would be a better way to say it, get into these topics, you're going to be opinionated about them. You might say, you know what? I hate how PHP has functions. I don't like how it declares variables. I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here and I'm going to Python. Like, I'm getting the hell out of here. And fair enough. You don't like that. But you would never have known that. And now you have a heading. You want to declare variables a certain way, or you want to do this a certain way, or that a certain way, or maybe you prefer the visual part, and PHP is the back end, and you're like, man, I'm out of here. I, I want to do more of the visual stuff. I want to do UX and UI, and that's what I wanted to do, and I made a mistake. Now you know, hey, I don't really like the behind-the-scenes stuff. I don't like the back end stuff. Fair enough. Like, you, there's there's very little heading to have. There's This happens a lot, I find, in, in like just something as simple as video games, where Sometimes I'll go into a game with a group of friends and we'll all be like, okay, you know, you know, kind of like, like it's a brand new game. We're like, all right, we're going to go in there and win right away. And like, you know, I'll say that too, whatever. But like in reality, like I'm actually going in there to learn what the, what the hell I'm doing. Like, how is the movement? How's this? How's that? How do you pick stuff up? How do you use this? You know, how do you score points? How do you do this and that? Whereas I do have some friends that will go there for the win. 
And they'll get discouraged very quickly and they may not return or they'll quit within a few rounds of us losing. But I sit there and bang my head against the wall, not for like 100 hours, but I'll sit there and bang my head against the wall for a couple of days if I like the game. And I'll be like, hey, I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to learn how to do this and I'm going to do this. And then I slowly learn skills and I extrapolate that knowledge. And then I like sometimes I even teach some of my friends that some of my friends are, well, you know, we'll stick it out and they'll they'll deal with sort of the punishment. Whereas, like, I realized, like, hey, I'm an idiot in this, you know, to insult myself. I I should be an idiot because I don't know how to play this yet. And so I'm going to make a lot of stupid mistakes. I'm not even going to understand the basics necessarily. And I've been gaming long enough to know that if I show up and I don't like it immediately, maybe I just don't like this type of game and I'll move on. But I, I can tell, like, hey, you know, there's a little potential here. I really want to win a round. I'm going to jump in and, and I'm going to learn this. And I'm going to treat it like a skill. It's not a super serious skill. It's not something that's going to change my life. It's not something that's going to, you know, allow me to retire early, but it's still something where I'm not willing to let it go. And I do find that a lot of people will want to be that winner right away and they don't really put in that time and they don't really realize that, yeah, you are going to be bad at this. Like a hundred, one hundred thousand percent, you are going to be bad at this. Some people are naturally talented and there's different degrees of it, but even the naturally talented are going to get better as they practice. So you're going to be at your lowest potential point when you start. And to kind of go into this, this section then, you know, one of the first steps, and this applies to a lot of different industries, but, you know, to bring it back to web development, determine what kind of learner you are and what situation you're in. So uh, just as a few examples, you might be in a huge rush for whatever reason. Maybe you're just a person that, that, that moves very quickly and you really want to get things done. But you know that, say, you know that you'll procrastinate without a solid sort of laid out workflow or solid class structure. Okay, so you want to go fast and you want a class structure? Maybe a boot camp's right for you, right? Try to figure out what type of learning or learner you are and what what you're going to be able to what what would best suit your situation. Maybe self-driven people, right? There are people out there that are self-driven. Maybe you're one of them. And those self-driven people will tackle everything and anything they set their mind to, and they might want to prefer to do things at their own pace. They realize that they have a day job and they're not going to do much during the weekdays, but on the weekends they are. So maybe they'll do a little reading on the week and or on the weekdays and do a whole bunch of work on the weekends. That might not work for a solid a solid class schedule. That might not work for a school because a school will say this is due Wednesday. We're going to give it to you Monday. Oh, you're busy on Tuesday. I didn't ask that. I want you to get this done. So you might be a person that needs to or wants to be self-driven, be self-taught, and you'll just self-teach yourself at your own pace. That's fine. Maybe working or sorry, watching videos works great for some people, right? Maybe that works absolutely great. And the people, they absorb it and they memorize stuff and they they realize stuff and then they can apply that knowledge. But others might find themselves with their mind wandering during these videos and they're not absorbing any information or barely anything, which indicates that maybe they need to have some interactivity, some project-based learning. Or so maybe they're taking a Udemy course and the Udemy course is largely just a video and they need a Udemy course or a, a similar thing that has some interact interactive activities in there. A couple of quizzes maybe, or, you know, hey, try this project out, or hey, let's apply our knowledge and try this out. Maybe that person needs that. So what type of learner are you? And there's tons of different types of learner. This is a very, 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 you know, sort of brief thing. And also to bring this into perspective as well, you know, some people might be a slow learner, like maybe they like to read, go through things very thoroughly, but there's a real world time limit to them. They have to go quick. So there's 
not only just what type of learner you are, but also working that into, say, your real world circumstance is super crucial. And again, I listed three type of basic learners, but there's tons and tons of different types. And determining the type of learner that you are, I want to be clear, is absolutely no easy feat. It can easily go unnoticed if you're not paying attention as well. Going through, say, the the traditional school system I've already mentioned, elementary school, secondary school, post-secondary, bam, right? Sort of the, the traditional school system, at least where we live, right? Going through that system is very scripted. I've already mentioned that. You might not have even been paying attention to what type of learner you were. You're just trying to get get through to the next to the next quiz. You're just trying to pass that next test. You're just trying to pass that next thing, right? That might be what you're doing. And even if you are paying attention to what type of learner you are through the traditional school system or through your own self-learnings, right? It can still take a great deal of experience and time to nail down exactly what type of learner you are. I'm still learning stuff about how I pick up on things. So in our personal experiences, so this is my personal learning type and I'll pass it off to Mike after. So my, my, I'm going to call it my learning style slash type. I tend to, and I've said this a million times, I've, I tend to get very irritated and very angry quickly when I don't understand things especially when I don't understand them right away. When, I, when I'm spending time and I'm trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out, I get like super angry, super anxious, and I'm freaking out. And like Michael get a rant sometimes if it's something to do with work. And I, I like the convenience, and don't we all, I like the convenience of just understanding how to do things, which this sort of formula is a recipe for a disaster. And I'm sure this sort of case is the same with a lot of people, but I did perform well academically despite this weird learning formula. However, I noticed that a lot of it was memorization. And shortly after the classes were done, I completely forgot what I had learned. Now, some of it was because maybe the the course was mandatory and it's off topic and I don't need to know that. But I would memorize stuff and then completely forget it. I'm just there to get the, the points. I'm just there to get the marks. I'm not actually learning what's going on in some cases. And worse yet, I would sometimes memorize how to do question types on tests not understanding what the context was, not understanding the real world application. Math was notorious for this. No idea what I was doing. We did Laplace. I have no idea what that is. No idea. Like I can only do Laplace if you put it in front of me and I answer the questions. Probably couldn't do it now. It's better practice. But I just kind of like knew like, oh, when the question says to do this, you do this and you do this, you do this. Like I, I feel like that's not good. And what I've been doing is I've been working on making my learning smoother. And this is you know, up until now, I'm still working on this, right? Learning, and I'm, I'm trying to make that that learning experience a little bit smoother, a little bit normal, or what I would consider normal or better for myself, I guess I should say. And I've been trying to really pay attention to how I learn best to make it so that learning is a part of my regular schedule and I'm not freaking out and my blood pressure is going, you know, through the roof and I'm getting angry and I'm sweating and I'm swearing and I'm absolutely losing it. I don't want to do that anymore. And so, what I've learned, and again, very recently, I've learned that I'm quick to pick up new topics, but it's more of an exponential growth curve. So again, to insult myself, I'm basically an idiot for the first few days of learning a topic. Most people will like slowly have that sort of linear up, 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 up. I'm kind of like down at the bottom and I'm just an idiot. Like I'm, I'm near zero the whole way, the whole way if we're like talking about a graph. And then all of a sudden, bang, I just like get it. Something happens and I just understand it. And then once I understand stuff, I'm very good at extrapolating those skills to other tasks. Now they know how to do this. I can do this, 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 this. I can apply it to here, 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 here. I'm very good at that. So it doesn't take me a super long time to learn stuff. 
But people think I'm kind of dumb and, I, and I've and i gotten this from like people that teach me things are like, Matt, like, why don't you get this? Like, we've been through this 10 times. It's because I'm in that first few days and I'm an idiot. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. But then once I get it, I'm able to just like go, 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 go. And what really sucks about this is because I have that sort of fiery learning procedure, I guess you could call it, having skills that I don't like learning Okay, don't like learning, don't like learning, don't like learning. Now I understand. Now I don't mind it. Now I'm able to extrapolate and now I, now I like it. What does that do? It creates a comfort zone. So now once I learn a skill or a few skills, it puts me in a rut. It puts me in a comfort zone. And I don't want to be an idiot again on a new skill. So I refuse or procrastinate or just don't learn another skill. And I'm stuck in the past sometimes and being like, ah, you know, just do it the old way. It'll be fine. And so I'm working on this whole thing and, and I wanted to be sort of open and talk about this because I think a lot of people out there are thinking like, I don't know my learning type. Like I always feel like a fool when I'm learning things or, you know, I, I, I don't understand things. And this is how I learned. Like this is a mess. Like at least in my opinion, what I just described to you as, as Matt's learning style and type literally labeled in the show notes, Matt's learning style and type is a damn mess. Maybe that's what it should be called. It's a damn mess. But seriously, I, this is how I learn and this is how. I've been really um, picking up on this. And real brief aside, this is not on the notes. Real brief aside, what I've learned is as well is, and, I, and I, I'm still figuring this out, is you know how when you start to, you go to learn something and uh, let's say, I'll bring it into video games to make it fun. So let, let's say, you know, you're going to learn a game and, you know, you find, you, you find someone in that game that just absolutely destroys you. And you're like, man, that guy, that you know, that person is really fast. They're, they're like amazing aim, you know, amazing skills. They pick up on stuff super quick. They're like really quick movement. I'm never going to be like that. And so what I'll always say is like, oh, I only dabble in this. I only dabble in that. It became, it, for me, it becomes this like mentality and this like mental block where I, I just dabble in stuff. Like, oh, I'm not actually good at it. I just dabble. I just dabble. And it actually like makes me perform worse because I, I keep thinking to myself, I'm just a hobbyist. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm not the greatest coder. I'm not the greatest gamer here. Like, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. But then there'll be times where I'll, that mental block will, I don't know how, I don't know how psychology works or brains work, but sometimes that mental block will go away. And I'm like, you know what? I'm taking this guy down. Like, I'm done with this guy. And I'll rush in there and just pull off a killer move. Now, it could be beginner's luck, but it's happened more consistently where I'm like, my mental block is gone. Where I'm no longer thinking I'm a noob, I'm an idiot, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm literally going past the mental block and performing at a higher level. And so I've noticed this more recently in gaming and I've noticed it a little earlier. Cause I think Mike pointed it out in my work skills where like, I always say to myself like, Oh, I like, like you guys are doing this in JS. Like I might as well just quit and like, I don't know, paint the floor or something like something simple. Cause I am like a fool. Like, I don't know if painting the floor is simple. I don't know where that example came out of, but like I might as well just just go do something simple, like staple papers together or something, because I, I I'm an I'm a total I'm a loss. Like I'm not a developer now. I might as well just quit. And I've noticed this is actually happening in many many aspects of my life, and I just started realizing this probably a, a couple of months, even a couple of weeks ago. Those are really good observations. And I think that's something that I've realized as well in different aspects of my life, like the, especially the dissociation of certain things to protect yourself. Like it's, it's an automatic thing that our brain does where as soon as we think that we're bad at something, or as soon as we think that we're uh, it's going to take a lot of work, we try to pretend that we don't care. 
Like our brain is like, oh, you don't care, so don't worry about. Like even if you <laughs> yeah, fail, yeah. you don't care. When in reality is you you care, like you for sure care, or you should care at least if you're actually going to go down that path. Like if you're playing a game, it, it, maybe this isn't the best example, but if you are playing a game and you're dedicating time to it and you're enjoying some of the process of it, and all of a sudden you get pwned a couple times, and all of a sudden your brain's like, I don't, you don't care, then what's the point? Like why are you even playing that game? That's that's literally the the reaction that I've started to have of myself. It's somewhere like I literally I think I read it from a book recently. Um, I can't remember the book, and I'm sorry if if I remember it, I'll link it in the show notes. But where it 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 is a defense mechanism of our brains. And until I read that statement, I totally was falling for it every time. I, every time that I had a difficult thing come up come up in in my life, I would always disso- dissociate myself with it, and it made it easier. Of course, it made it easier because like who cares? But now, as soon as I have that feeling that I'm dissociating, I start to try fighting harder, and it's really like it's changed so many things for me. I, for instance, the the Twitter stuff. It's a perfect example. Whenever when I when I went in and tried to learn how to grow our account on Twitter, how to interact with people, how to create content that people can actually like people enjoy watching or listening to or or uh, reading. Every time I would try to do it before, I would have this thing in the back of my head where I would just not care. Like I would just think that, okay, this is, you know, I'm just going to try this. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I just don't care. That's literally what I had in my mind. But that never worked, obviously. Because I would try a couple different things, it would be difficult, and I would just stop because I didn't care. Quote, unquote, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that with air quotes. Now, when I went into it, my mindset was different, where it's like, I do care about this. I do want people to, I do want to get better at creating content. I do want to get better at uh, development. I do want to get better so that people can learn from the stuff that I've done, my mistakes and my successes. So I do care. And now, yes, the failures hit me harder. That's no, there's no doubt about that, but it also doesn't stop me in my tracks. The failures are just another indication that I need to keep going and maybe try something new and need to keep trying. And I think I honestly, it's been a game changer for my life, not just development, but across the board. So I'm glad that you're starting, like you have that thought because I don't think it's something you can teach that thought, like where you have to stop yourself from thinking it. I think it's literally something you have to experience. It's like a life experience thing until you, first of all, you read it or hear about it. And then you start believing in it. It's you're, you're always going to disassociate because again, I think it's, it's a natural brain response. It's not something that we like actively control. It's something that our brain does to protect ourselves. But yeah, it was a really, really good point that you brought up there. I just wanted to kind of dive a little bit deeper into it. Well, one thing I actually want to say about that when you're talking about that is if I think about it, like now that you've mentioned that, I never really thought of this, but not only is my gaming better, which I mean, I've already mentioned, but I didn't realize that I was doing that. And this this is for our business and for our lives, actually, Like, is I went like headlong and I'm still at a hobbyist level because I realize I'm not going to learn all this stuff, but I went headlong into learning finances for for a number of years. And on this show, I literally was like terrified, scared of taxes. Like I didn't want to do the paperwork specifically. And I still not going to do them. We still have an accountant that does them. I'm not going to learn all the ins and outs in that way. But I had no idea what was going on. I knew it was like they would take a percentage and it was like I understood the general like very high level like you need to pay this bill. I understood that. But I absolutely did not, did not understand 
any of like the ins and outs. And now, like Michael tell you, like before this show, I'll tell him, like him and I'll talk about investing. And I have like a, a, a like a regime for investing now. And I'm not going to get into investment advice, but like I have like a regime. And I'm like, this is how we do this. And this is how we do this. And this is taxed. This is not. We need to take this percentage, move this over here. Here's a spreadsheet that auto calculates it. I made this spreadsheet. Like Mike and the test, that is like a mind, that is a, a life changing thing. I am now not completely yet, and I'm still learning, but I am now financially literate. That affects the business and that affects me. And and I'm helping Mike here and there when he asks questions and that helps Mike. And I've talked to my other investing friends and that helps them. And they're financially literate to me too. Like I'm learning stuff from them. They're learning stuff from me. Like this is a huge thing. And I would... And I was disassociating. Oh, I'm an idiot. I don't know anything about financing. I don't know. Invest in Apple, I guess. Yay. Or something, right? Like just something that everyone else was doing. And then just one day I was like, you know what? I want to know what this 10% is. Like, what the hell is this? Like, what is that? And I get mad. Like, I get mad. Go in there and I'm like, all right, that's it. We're getting the YouTube videos out. And now it's a whole thing. I got bookmarks everywhere. I got like my own calculators in Excel and like, it's a whole thing. Fascinating. It's a fact like to unlock that, like you said, it's a life experience. It's it's crazy. And I just want to point out, you, you said you get mad, but I think it's a different kind of mad. So you started your whole Matt's learning style with I tend to get irritated and angry. That's a different type of irritated angry than being mad at not knowing something. I think mad at not knowing something is actually a positive. It's 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 a driving force for you to learn it. Whereas being angry while you're learning is something that's very detrimental, right? So you're, you're, you're flipping the script a little bit and you're kind of using, instead of going mad, you're going, you're, you're, instead of going angry, you're going mad at the fact and you're using that as motivation to learn. So I think, again, it's one of those, it's a mental thing. It's all in, the, it's all in your head and it's all in my head as well, where you, if you conquer it, if you can kind of get past it, it makes life and obviously let's go back to development a lot more structured and easier to learn because it, it, it it's not easy. There's nothing easy about learning all these different skills all the time and ha- and caring about it as well. There's just so much stuff. How can you care about it all? But if you're learning it, I think you have to learn how to care about it as well. A thousand percent. Uh, yeah. This is super insightful. Like this is not scripted, people. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> like like th- it. this is like a revelation. Like this is crazy. This is uh, yeah. This is going to be one of our one of our uh, big episodes, I think. Uh, <laughs> but let's let's move on to my learning style, right? So I'm kind of the opposite of Matt in the sense that Matt Matt uses like Matt has used his like anger and hesitation or, or anger and uh, irritation to actually learn just what like certain things more. Right. So he like, if he sticks with Webflow, he'll stick with Webflow for a long time because that's what he's comfortable with. That's what he's learning. So he's learning it vertically rather than going horizontal. I kind of tend to, to go more towards the horizontal rather than the vertical. Now I do a lot of vertical learning as well. And let me explain those terms uh, again, but horizontal learning means that you're learning many different things shallow. So you're not learning them very deeply. And vertical learning is when you find something like a topic and you start learning it up and down, right? So you start actually figuring out all the complexities of a framework or you start figuring out all the complexities of a language rather than jumping from framework to framework to framework. So for me, 
I like the learning process. I like the learning process, especially early on. So I've always been one of those people that kind of just jumps around different technologies, which has actually hindered some of my projects before. Um, but I've realized this. I've started to kind of gauge it and I've started to kind of uh, I've started to do much more vertical learning, getting more in depth in a lot of different areas. Um, and then also, like, I wanted to kind of do a, a chronological thing because the way I learned before and the way I learn now are different. So when I was first starting out, I would rely heavily on following along video to videos and tutorials. I would go to videos and tutorials almost immediately because I wanted to see visually and, and practically how someone were to implement this, whatever, like technology that I'm learning. If it's view, then a view, the view framework. I want to see how someone implements it. Even before I would hop into the documentation, even before I would do anything, I would just look at like a short 15 minute video of someone building out a little project in that technology. And what it allowed me to do is again, it allowed me to associate with it. It allowed me to, um, understand how the technology, the best practices of it are used right off the bat. There's some positive and negatives there because who knows if the person that's view, like doing the tutorial is the actual like expert on the topic. Maybe they're giving me false information. But again, it's one of those things that you have to just kind of, uh, take at, take the mistake if you're going to make it and be okay with making that mistake. So. That's the way I kind of learned initially. I was a very visual learner. I'm a very practical learner as well. So I would, I would, I would have watched that video and then I would have immediately went and implemented or tried to do the same thing that they did in the video. It's changed a little bit as I've become better at development, as I've become, as it's become harder because initially when you're talking about big frameworks, there's tons of resources. Right. There's tons of resources for Vue. There's tons of resources for React. But when you talk about something very narrow, very uh, specific to something like uh, maybe a library that, you know, reads a QR code that works with React. Right. When you're talking about something that specific, the resources all of a sudden start to dwindle. And what you're left with usually is the documentation of that library. And maybe a couple examples in that documentation or something like that. Very rarely in one of those narrow projects or narrow frameworks, you're going to have the ability to watch someone implement it live on a video. Um, so I've had to adapt. So what I do now is I actually read the documentation first. So I, I become better at understanding documentation. And we're going to have an episode in the future about all about reading and the importance of documentation. So stay tuned for that. But really, it's a very key skill to have because it's allowed me to use almost any framework, regardless of the resources available. As long as the documentation and the open source repository are in good order, I can usually spin it up. I can usually integrate it into whatever technology I'm using and go moving forward, right? That's, that's a kind of a skill that you learn and that you get better at as you go in the development journey. And I wanted to give that perspective of, you know, earlier on to now so that people understand that not only does your, you know, skills evolve, but your learning style is, is going to evolve as your skills go up. So when you're learning initially and you figure out the best learning method that works for you, maybe be okay with experimenting or changing it, or sometimes you'll be forced into changing it. And that will be the way to kind of move forward. Um, that's what happened with me. I also want to kind of give you the order. Like I want to, I want to go through a full set of things that I do when I'm learning something new. So the first thing again, back to it, 
I glance at the documentation. I look at the documentation. I look at the repository because a lot of the stuff that I'm using is open source. I look at the, in the repository, I'll look at the issues presented. So this is more of a vetting process, but it, it also is a learning process for me because when I look at the issues, I look at how people are asking them, how difficult it's going to be to get those issues solved and stuff like that. That is part of learning something because if you're going in and you're just going in blind and all of a sudden you get into an issue and you go in and it's very difficult to ask an issue or there's barely any responses, you're going to know that the learning process of that uh, fr framework or library or whatever you're learning is going to be much more difficult. That's just going to be a, a, a fact. But if you see that the issues are very well structured, people are replying in them, not only the maintainer, but other people, there's a community around it. It's going to make things a lot easier. I look at the pull request as well to see if the there's other development being done on the project. That's more of, again, of a vetting thing than a learning thing, but it's something that I do. If it's simple enough, like if it's just a, ran a regular library, I will usually implement it right away. I'll take the installation instructions, I'll take the implementation instructions, and I'll implement the very basic form of it into my project. I get to building as soon as I can, because again, I'm a more of a practical learner than a theoretical learner. So whenever, whatever I can do to shorten the span of me reading to build it, I try to do that at this point. If it's a little bit more complex, then I'll go out of my way to try to find a tutorial, maybe a course on it. Sometimes a course is really important, Udemy, Scrimba, whatever we use, uh, or a, a YouTube video of someone trying to implement it, right? So I, I still go back to that method that I used before, but only when it's kind of more necessary and it's more robust and it's a more complex project because I still get a lot out of seeing someone else implement something. I still get, again, a, a structure, a workflow going and stuff like that a lot faster than if I were to implement it myself. I obviously, when they're doing it, so when I'm looking at a sample project or I'm looking at someone building, I will try to follow along and not only just rebuild what they're building, because I'm using this project, this technology for something of my own, so either a, a client project, a work project, or a personal project, I'll try to implement it alongside them, but for my own use case. And again, what that allows is a kind of a shift in, in your mind process that you're not only copying, you're actually implementing while you're learning. And for me, at least, and this is a, something for me, the, the technology and the frameworks, the methods stick a lot better when I have to alter the tutorial that I'm following. That's just a, Something that's always worked for me whenever I was in college or university. That's also a method that I used. Something that I didn't do intentionally, by, by the way, at that point. I just realized that looking back on it, the best exams and stuff that I were, were like my best results were when I applied this kind of learning method. And then if I run into any issues, I go back to the documentation. I take a look. Sometimes there's an FAQ. Sometimes the documentation has an issues tab. Sometimes the documentation just has more in-depth information about the specific thing I'm trying to implement. So I'll take a look at that. If there's, if that doesn't work, I'll go to previous GitHub issues. You can search in previous GitHub issues uh, for something like an error message that you're receiving or a, uh, like just the, the function that's causing you the message, whatever you want to do, like you search for it and see if there's anything there that can move, move the point, like uh, get you to the next step. If that doesn't work, I go to Discord and Slack. So if they have a Slack server or Discord server, it's a great place to ask questions. And if that doesn't work, I'll go to the back to the GitHub and create an issue. So I've had to do all of these things 
before and I'll have to do them again. There's no doubt about it. I'm never going, there's never going to be a perfect, you know, technology that works right away, especially when it's complex. Uh, it's, you're going to have to, uh, the deeper you dive into it, the more you're going to have to use these troubleshooting methods. And these troubleshooting methods are part of the learning experience. I really like that you talked about your documentation journey because I see a lot of that on on Twitter uh, where people say, hey, you know, someone told me to read the documentation and I know I just want you to tell me the answer or I just want Stack Overflow to tell me the answer. But I I wonder if this is sort of a, a mentality that's come from the old days, let's say, of reading a manual, which is, you know, still not completely gone, but yet, you know, more modern documentation really is almost like a stack overflow thing. And it really does kind of make you, it really does kind of guide you through, or you can almost control F or use a search bar to find exactly what you're looking for. You're not flipping through, well, where's chapter six on page 40? Well, where's the, you know, subsection three, you're not kind of doing that on paper anymore. And I realized that Obviously, older manuals were probably designed closer to the paper counterparts with less control F capability way back in the day. And maybe that's where the, the stigma comes from. But at, at the same time, it's like, you know, there's a lot to, there's a lot to get from the documentation. And so I'm glad you kind of brought, uh, you brought that up because, um, like there's been so many times in college where we've just, you know, let's say the, the lesson taught us so far, and then, you know, the last 20, 30% had to be documentation. And that was super useful, you know, to learn. And it's easy to sort of ignore the documentation and just go directly for the right answer. Um, so that that's super interesting. Also, I think you also mentioned, I don't remember if you mentioned this before the show or mentioned this during your, uh, during your talk there, but you mentioned something about how you, you, as you get more skills and as you learn through this type that you, when you go to stack overflow, you no longer necessarily trust the first answer. I don't know if you said that or that was a tweet. That was a tweet. Yeah, that was a tweet. Okay. So, so I must've just read it right for the show. And I just like popped into my mind when you were reading about this, where I was thinking that like, like that applies here, I think. Whereas like you can go to the documentation. It's like, sure. You know, you could do this, 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 and this, and all these steps that the stack overflow says to get that, you know, solution, fair enough, but there might be just a button <laughs> that the documentation will tell you, tell you to do and it just does it. I, that happens a lot. Like, honestly, I've noticed that happening consistently because A, the Stack Overflow question can be out of date. So the documentation could have added all that functionality. B, it could be that the answer is just bad and it's it looks simple, right? So that's why people upvote it. And that's the only reason. And if you look at the comments to the answer, you can usually tell because people comment. And I mean, there's a negative to Stack Overflow because people are very blunt, but there's also a positive to Stack Overflow because people are very blunt. So like you can tell immediately if an answer is quote unquote, not the best one. So I've learned to always read the comments of a Stack Overflow question, if of, of a Stack Overflow answer and question sometimes. And I'll sometimes skim through to the second, third or fourth answer because a lot of the times down there, you'll, you'll find the newer stuff and you'll find something like, oh my God, this solved my problem in like two lines and this is the right way to do it. And that that's worked for me more often than not nowadays. Like I don't, I think at least 50% of the time I don't take the first answer. That's uh, that's good to know, especially when like, uh, especially when I go to finally get out of my ruts and out of my comfort zones and learn something new, you know, I will usually use the stack overflow and not always, but I will kind of like tiptoe around the documentation, not, not afraid of it, but 
definitely not my favorite thing, but maybe I need to start getting a little bit more into it and seeing, you know, sort of the, I guess the official answers on some stuff. And that's kind of, that's really, that's a really crucial like learning skill. So that's a good, that's a good thing to highlight. Um, so, you know, beyond the learning styles and figuring out how you learn and stuff like this, even though that's obviously a big topic, we've been talking about it for a while. You know, the next thing is sort of something we talked about several times, tutorial hell, you know, and, and, and my advice is to build something. Don't just read and to sort of extrapolate on this or to, to, to dive into this, you know, many people do get bogged down in learning new skills and they do that by reading articles and watching videos and, you know, even attending college over and over again. Oh, I got to learn this again. I got to learn this again. I got to learn this. I got, I got to get a little more. I got to do one more course and that type of thing. And, you know, not necessarily a bad thing, but there comes a point where you just, you just bogged down by learning. And in the web dev industry, this is commonly referred to as tutorial hell, where people are stuck constantly learning things and never actually building anything, never working on anything, that type of thing. So for industries that require a physical presence, so if you're a person that's brand new to web development, and you're listening to this, you might not have an idea what I'm talking about. And that is, so to, to sort of relate this to a physical presence thing, like, I don't know, you're working in a store or something. This is equivalent equivalent to having no real world experience is 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 effectively what this what tutorial hell is for web dev industry. So if I'm if I've never worked in retail and I show up, you know, I'm not going to know all the ins and outs, I'm not going to know how to use the cash register, those type of things. I don't have any real world experience. I know generally how to sell things and I've like maybe I've watched American Pickers enough to sell things, but I I don't have any real world experience. So tutorial hell is basically getting bogged down before you get into the real world experience stuff. And you know, as an example, you know, you can read about how great Ruby on Rails is and how innovative React is. And you could read about that stuff for years because new New versions come out, new opinions come out, new ways to use things come out, but you can't replace actually having that experience, building the app, experiencing problems, researching and testing solutions, and eventually shipping a product or even just putting your own, own little portfolio website out there with just reading the theory or the written there's just no way you can get all the ins and outs of your learning in that way. So in the industry, in this industry, the web dev industry, it's largely remote work, right? Work from home. So you need to get experience building things, working on projects. That's part of your work experience. But there's also the team dynamic. So coding up, coding something up when you're on a team. Sure, you might understand Git. You might understand this and that and the other thing. But you, if you're using, if you're doing a solo project, you are the captain of that ship. You can commit how you like. You have your own structure. Commit when you want. Don't commit when you want. You don't have to commit at regular intervals. You can completely rip the project down. You can start new repos. You can fork things all without permission, all just running rampant. You don't need any of that. But when you're in a team structure, that's a part of the industry, remote or not. And so by building projects on your own, you are getting a big piece of the experience puzzle. You are absolutely, you're getting that out of the way. But while you're doing this escape, if you will, from tutorial hell while you're doing this real world work, there are ways before you get hired to get some of the experiences that you would have in teams. And I'll let Mike talk about that. And it's it's talking about open source. Yeah, absolutely. I think th- there is a way to kind of pseudo yourself uh, to figuring out a team experience. It's not perfect, um, but open source definitely helps in the sense that you have to work with the team that's developed, that's um maintaining the project. So if you find something in an open source project that you can contribute to, 
What you can do is you can create a pull request. So you can fix the issue. You could pull down the project, fix the issue, and then you can create a pull request to pull push into the main branch. And when you do that, what it gives you is the first bit of feedback that you might be getting ever in your coding career if you're a self-taught developer, right? Because when you pull it, when you, when you do the pull request, another developer will have to review your code. Even if you fixed it properly, let's say you fixed the issue that you were having or you fixed the issue that they were having inside of their open source project, it might not match to the code structure of the project. And you'll get that feedback right away. And that's where the team, the team structure comes into it, where it's actually quite difficult to, um, it's quite difficult to figure out the code structures and conform. Every project you're going to work on or any, any sort of job you're going to get, you're going to have to conform to the team infrastructure. So the, the workflows, the, 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 the testing environments, the checks, the linting, the prettier files, like all that stuff is something that's usually not taught in self-taught development when you're doing everything on your own and you have to be rushed into it inside of a corporate, corporate structure. But if you do a little bit of this through the open source experience, through the the pull request creation and and then maybe reviewing a pull request in the future as well that's going to give you very very crucial knowledge that you can apply right away in any any job that you take and something that you can definitely talk about in the interview for instance when you're asked have you ever worked in a team environment a lot of the times the answer is no and that's okay but know that if you were to say that hey i i haven't worked in a team environment but I have committed to multiple open source projects and had my pull request merged and had to do the, you know, the, the reviews, the changes and had to have that experience, the back and forth. That's going to put you ahead of someone that just says no. That's just the, yeah, that's that's exactly it is you can't get, you know, the exact team experience from just the open source and you can't get the, you know, necessarily the, the, the full real world experience from you building projects for yourself. Sometimes you will, but you know, it's uh, often it's very easy for, especially if we're, you know, the king of that project, um, you know, the, 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 the top dog, if you will, if you're realistically, you know, running that project, you're, you can be easy on yourself at times. Whereas like a client, if you're working in an office and a client or the boss wants you to do something, you can't be like, well, I'll just cut that feature for a bit. And so, you know, having working or having work experience in a team, in a company is going to be different regardless. But if you can sort of emulate those and kind of get a little bit familiar and even learn to learn those skills a bit with the open source, with actually building projects and getting out of tutorial hell, those are, like Mike said, it's going to be absolutely crucial and it will put you hopefully ahead of someone else uh, that doesn't necessarily have any of those type of experiences in their portfolio. Um, so then I guess we're going to move on to the learning resources. So we're going to talk about the various ways that you can learn. I'm sure there's other ways to do this, but these are sort of the main ones that we hear about all the time. Uh, first one being traditional schooling. So things like colleges, universities, and similar institutions. Uh, these obviously provide you with an education. Uh, they provide you with specifically a curriculum that may, that maybe you have a little bit of say on. You can choose the odd course. Maybe there's some electives in there, but for the most part, they've created a sort of curriculum slash a path for you to learn a certain topic. That's, again, colleges, universities, and other similar institutions. Um, now, there's possible 
real world experience in there as well. So maybe some traditional classroom learning, of course, but then they'll pair that with a co-op, an internship, or some sort of workplace uh, placement opportunity for real world learning. So you'll get a little bit of that. Sometimes you'll even get paid for that. So you'll make some money. So that's pretty cool. But these, these things do usually take time and they provide learning usually over a number of months or years. So three years, four years, maybe even more if you're getting upgraded or you're doing the placement, the co-op, whatever as well. So you kind of have to look at that and understand, okay, you know, do I have the time to do this? Is this going to work? But there's obviously some flexibility there. There's night classes, this and that. So it's just something to consider. Next one here, just sort of the, you know, the, the traditional sort of, I guess, online content. I have written here, though, articles and blogs. So, you know, written guides on how to solve specific problems and implement specific solutions. So, you know, how do I fix a WordPress plugin that won't update? Those are ways to learn. Absolutely. If you don't know how to do it, you just Google it, click on the first article. Maybe that's your answer. Click on the first first few. And we've talked about Googling as a skill being very crucial. And it's for moments like this when you have a specific problem and you're going to end up browsing the web through random websites that you probably never heard of just to try to find a solution. Um, and some websites, if you're trying to learn, say, a new skill uh, right from scratch and you're starting sort of the more uh, traditional, you're sort of like researching it, you're not just jumping in, but you're trying to research and learn about it. Some websites will run a series of content. So maybe a series of blogs, articles, or even some videos sprinkled in there on a specific topic, like say introduction to view. Maybe they'll release, you know, one a week or what have you. And you you can go through, you know, their seven article bit of content and sort of learn based upon that intro to view uh, sort of topic that they that they cover. And also to sort of keep yourself updated, topical stories and editorials. They'll these these stories will often discuss new topics or small experimental projects as developers try out new features in browsers or they try out new features in languages or they mess with the browser to get things working or they get functionality to work even though maybe it's not supposed to or they enhance functionality. They get better performance by doing things that are a little bit then maybe not quite like the documentation said, but maybe there's like a, you know, a little way to figure that out. And they're kind of right on that state of the art, right on the edge, or maybe they're covering, Hey, you know, the documentation says do this. Let's try it out. Hey, look, this is the difference in performance. This is how this works. This is how much less code there is. This is how much more code there is. And this is a good way to keep up to date after you've done the bulk of your learning. Maybe you're already working in the industry and you just want to learn new things. These topical stories and editorials will can help you sort of keep, keep up generally with what's going on in the industry, uh, depending on what the site covers. Next one here, uh, of course, coding bootcamp, like we've already said. So this is traditional learning or close to it, but at a very accelerated pace. And some boot camps, just like schools, will have different benefits. So things like co-op placements, or maybe they'll tailor their curriculum for a particular institution that's near them. So, you know, oh, you know, we're near... Uh, Microsoft or something. I'm just making this up. We're near Microsoft or something. So we're going to cover a lot of different things that Microsoft really likes. And then, you know, we, the, maybe that coding bootcamp has some sort of, uh, in with Microsoft and Microsoft tells them what they want, this and that. So that when you go to Microsoft for an interview, or maybe you score that interview because you went to this coding bootcamp versus someone else who went to some other coding bootcamp. Sometimes there's benefits like that. Not always. It's obviously these are generally private businesses. And so they'll offer different benefits to you, um, as you go through. And then there's, of course, at your own pace learning. And, and we'll have some links to these in the um, in the show notes, of course, but some of them, and again, just some of them are Udemy. Uh, there's also, which is, you know, you pay for the courses. Then there's also free code camp, which is free. And um, at least last time I checked, they still allowed you to do uh, a project in your learning for like a real world company type of thing. So you get a little bit of that real world 
real world uh, taste there as well. Uh, Scrimba, that's an e-learning platform. Um, MDN docs, that's, you know, really great documentation for HTML, CSS, JS. So if you're just like, man, I've been using display block for a long time, but I really don't know all the ins and outs of it. You can learn that in the MDN docs. Uh, I know I'll get flack for this. Like I always say, but W3 schools, I like their little playgrounds and I think they explain things at a very basic level to try to get you off the ground. It's a fairly good resource, at least it is in my opinion. Um, level up. Level Up Tuts, which is uh, via Scott Talinsky, which is, of course, on the uh, Syntax podcast. There's also Wes Boss, which you can find him, of course, at westboss.com, also a host of the uh, the almost at the level up touch podcast of the syntax podcast. You can go check those guys out. And then there's obviously various YouTube channels. And we have a couple of examples here of, although these are very, very specific examples. Um, we have fireship.io. We have a Traversy media. We have the net ninja and I'll add one right now. Web dev simplified, uh, those, and there's tons more is what I want to say. There's tons of other good, really good resources out there, but, um, these are just a few of the YouTube videos that we will link to in the description. And there's some really great, uh, you know, sort of things you can do there. Um, now we don't have, we didn't do any sort of specific endorsement for any traditional school because usually it's based upon where you're living and where you're willing to go. So I'm not going to list the local colleges and universities only to have most of you not know that. Um, but if you are interested in some bootcamp stuff, we did have an episode in the past with David Lindahl. And I believe, don't quote me, he did go to, well, he did go to a bootcamp, but I think he talked about that a little bit in one of our, I think it was our first episode with him. And then we also had an interview with TJ Kinian, who also works at a boot camp as well. So if you're interested in any of those, we have no experience with the boot camps themselves, though. I just want to be fully uh, transparent there. We have no firsthand experience with those institutions, with those classrooms. So, uh, you know, do your own research, that type of thing. But uh, that's, that's the episode, or at least that's the episode for me. Mike, do you have any closing notes? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like that you're very... Um humble but uh, we we sh- you should have added the HTML all the things podcast because that is definitely a learning resource that can help you stay up to date with web development and can help you kind of break into the industry because we try to do exactly that so podcasts are another one uh it's not maybe a direct learning resource but it is something similar to kind of the editorial articles that you can throw on on the side or throw on while working and stay relevant in the industry. Uh, syntax is another one. The, the I think the dev show or something like that. Dev shop. Uh, I'll, I'll link a few in the show notes as well. I'm not just going to link myself, but uh, yeah, d- definitely stay up to date with the podcast. That's a good point. Um, I, to be honest, I just didn't even think of it. So, I mean, I'll, I'll take, I don't know if it gives me any sort of kudos or points here, but yeah, I was being humble actually. <laughs> Um, but yeah, absolutely. And I, I also put us in the noise section too. So, I mean, maybe that was it. <laughs> maybe that's enough. But yeah, sy- uh, syntax, HTML, the things is also the UX podcast as well. I've watched, I've listened to a few of those piecemeal. So that, you know, those are some good podcasts. I don't even know if the UX podcast is still going. I, I presume it is. I've listened to it in a while. Um, but, um, Really, that's uh, that's our episode. So I hope it helps you guys, uh, anyone out there that you know is senior developer, junior developer, whatever, uh, hobbyist, just want to learn new things. You know, I hope this is a, a an eye opening experience, and it was for us in the middle of the episode with the learning types. So I hope that hopefully helped you as well. And uh, if you want to support episodes like this, you can go and check us out on that Patreon. That's Patreon.com/slash/html all the things. And many thanks to our three dollar tier patrons: Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript on YouTube.com/slash RabbitWorks JavaScript, Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design on Local. 
Pathcomputing.com, Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital via BlueBlackDigital.com, Chris from Selfmade Web Designer via SelfmadeWebDesigner.com, Tim from The Web Hacker via TheWebHacker.com, DL Ford from DL4.io, Vim Hashash from Nine Block Media via NineBlockMedia.com, Jason from Geek Life Radio via GeekLifeRadio.com, Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via MCWebStudio.ca, Magnus from YesWeb via YesWeb.se, Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff McHale and Edubloxians, game designed for kids on edubloxians.com. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on, and this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.